Greetings, listeners and loyal fans of the Starship Therapies. This is your Spockian officer, Larissa Garski, with a brief update about a change in schedule um, to the pod for today. So initially, we had planned to drop uh, part two of the hero's journey featuring the infamous Captain Marvel. But unfortunately, for the last week and a half, I have been struggling with laryngitis. Um, perhaps some of you very, uh, I don't know, astute and intrepid listeners can still detect a crackle in my voice. Um, but it's been a little brutal and we were hoping that I would recover in time to, uh, record part two, but that did not quite materialize. So luckily we had another episode that we had recorded prior to me falling ill with, uh, Vulcan laryngitis. So today you are going to be hearing, um, our episode about, Marvel's baddest of bad dads, Thanos. We hope you enjoy, and we look forward to bringing you part two of the hero's journey featuring Captain Marvel on April 25th. Live long, prosper, and enjoy this up. Hello, friends. Your captain here with a trigger warning for this episode. This podcast discusses topics that may be upsetting to some of our listeners. These topics include domestic violence or interpersonal violence, the cycle of abuse and personality disorders, as well as gaslighting. You may choose to skip this episode, and that's just fine. If you decide to listen, please take care of yourself and know when you need to take a break and do some self-care. Thanks. are the voyages of the starship Therapies. its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds to seek out new insights and new realizations to boldly go where no one has gone before Computer, raise lights. Got to go warn the captain. Me, me, mama, moo. Me, me, mama, moo. Me, me, mama, moo. Dunk a shane. Darling, dunk a shane. Captain? Thank captain. you. Captain! Spock! I reserved the bridge for my vocal exercises and now. Wait. Full stop. What are you wearing? This is my sleeping suit. A lime green onesie? It's plush. Yeah, all right, that makes sense. There's no time for this, Captain. I've had a nightmare. I think you mean a daymare. That is illogical. It is only night in space. It is not illogical. We agreed at last week's team meeting to institute regular day and nighttime cycles for the crew with the help of sun lamps purchased by Bones... Why are you looking at me like that? Because this is not important. Oh, okay. I guess we could do intros and then talk about it. Yes, but fast. There's really no... Okay! Hi, everybody. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spocking first officer, and... Just a reminder to our listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Okay, great. So, I was having a nightmare. No, no. Focus. Focus, okay. Captain. All right. Okay. All right. So I was having what I initially thought was a nightmare, but I'm very certain now that it was um, like a like a psychic link, like Vulcan mind meld. And uh, I saw this flash and there's there's this alien right out in the cosmos and he's huge and large and he has a very odd face that kind of looks like Cable or Josh Brolin. Um, and he's like moving through the galaxies and he's he's decimating half of the population on all planets. And Captain, sir, I think he means business. And I think we need Spock, to- Spock? Yeah? Yeah. You- you're you're describing Thanos from from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We we watched the movie last night. You mean Avengers: Infinity War, sir? Yes, we we watched that last night. Oh, we did. That's that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. We, had, we had the caramel flavored popcorn this time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like uh, Thanos may have seeped into your subconscious there. That's so strange. Vulcans don't normally have dreams of any kind. Hmm. I I wonder what it is about this particular film that was uh, so jarring for you, my Vulcan friend. Well, I have to admit that I did find uh, Captain America in a full beard to be somewhat disconcerting. Uh, I think you mean super sexy. No, I definitely don't, sir. I I Mm. for sure mean disconcerting. Um, But maybe more directly to your point, I don't think a beard would be upsetting enough to give me a nightmare. Was it uh, Black Widow's blonde hair, perhaps? No, that was just confusing. I still don't understand that, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time on Reddit last night trying to get to the bottom of it, which, you know, that might have been upsetting, too. But, you know, sometimes that's where you need to go to get information. <laughs> of a niche nature. <laughs> a nature. <laughs> oh, Captain, it does feel good to laugh. I was I was feeling a little turned up, as the kids say. Uh, do they? <laughs> no, they really do. I'm not oh. making that up. Cool. Uh <laughs> so uh, Spock, I do I do wonder. Mm-hmm. If perhaps it was not anybody's facial hair or hair on their head that was so upsetting, but perhaps, yes, if perhaps it was the way that Thanos showed up in the world that was upsetting to you. Mm. Well, I'm not certain of that, sir, but I can tell you that as soon as you said the word Thanos, all of the hair on my Vulcan body stood on end. Which is challenging because as we've established, I am in my lime green sleep suit, which is very plush. <laughs> and it is also it's it's been very dry on the the Starship Therapies. Um very cold. So, very cold, yes. Space, uh <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and so now I've I've just been shocked. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well it's it's understandable that you would be upset by Thanos. He's a very upsetting character. He literally wanted to wipe out half of all life everywhere. Hmm. That's true. Yeah. yeah that's Not pretty only upsetting. Was that ups- it, it is. And it's upsetting from a violent standpoint, but it's also illogical, you know, because even if an overpopulation is absolutely, I recognize that as an issue, but you can't just go around decimating half of the life on every planet because once you walk away and leave it, it's just going to repopulate. Like this is not a long-term viable solution. No, it's really not. No, no. So I think you have a point. Not only was it emotionally jarring, but it was it was illogical too. And those two things together are very much my kryptonite. Yeah. So, I mean, Thanos had a big, scary and illogical plan that in and of Mm -hmm. itself is upsetting. But also, I mean, he was not a likable guy. Although I know that some people on uh, Reddit and Tumblr disagree with me. Uh, Well, sir, based on my research last night, um, which, you know, in hindsight, being 2020 and all, we don't know what we don't know until we know it, uh, maybe was not the best uh, sleep routine for me to try out before attempting to go to, to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it seemed like it's not that people are running around with like Team Thanos shirts by any means, but it, I got more the sense that people are like, well, but maybe let's feel for him, you know, because he's just he's just doing his best and you know overpopulation is a is a problem and maybe he's trying to make the hard call you know sometimes you got to roll the hard six mm. i know yes exactly sir that hmm and mm. i i mean i'm i'm all for seeing things from other people's point of view i mm. i think that is well established canon <laughs> um no disagreement here, sir. None <laughs> at all. But I have a hard time. I have a hard time with that. Because he, 
okay, sure. Let's let's take the assumption that he's just trying to do what's best for the universe, and what's best for the universe is to get all of the creatures, well, at least half of the creatures off of it because they're messing everything up. Mm. He's not a nice guy. This is not... It It is hard for me to buy that this is in any way altruistic. He's not an altruistic guy. Hmm. Like, where in his personal life has he shown any altruism? And do not tell me it's when he adopted Gamora because he killed everyone else in her village. Including her entire family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I think this is an example that people cite that they're like, look, he took pity on this, this tiny little uh, green gender yet to be self-determined, though it does seem that Marvel Universe's Kevin Faye determined it to be female gendered youngster mm-hmm. um, and said, hey, I won't kill you. Hold on to this magnetized dagger uh, balance beam thing. And really focus in on that while I kill everyone that you know and love behind your back. Mm-hmm. So I think it it does seem like he seemed he saw something in Gamora. Um, and this is where we're going to and, and periodically throughout this app, um, listeners, we are going to kind of like dip our toe into um, something that we still clinically refer to as personality disorders. Um, the captain and I don't love this term because um, not only is it pretty prescriptivist, but right there in its name, it tends to be pretty damning. Like if you if you are if you're diagnosed with a personality disorder, it's kind of like, well, what can you really do? Because your your personality is you, so I guess mm-hmm. you are just a mess, which like not great, you know? No, Mm-mm. very shaming. Um, it's very shamey. It's very shamey. Um, it's very blamey. Uh, that being said, are there like the the indicators that fall under the personality disorder uh, identifier? Do they come up for folks and do people struggle with them? Yes. And so because that is the term that we still use both clinically and colloquially, that's the term we're going to go with today. But we did want to kind of pause and just name the ways that that term is problematic and we see the ways that it's problematic. Um, But when we're talking about what we currently call personality disorders, right, we are referring to um, a set of emotional and behavioral symptoms that at its core seem to limit an individual's ability to have empathy, Mm -hmm. compassion, and see other human beings and other creatures in general, but human beings in particular, as separate entities from themselves. That's quite Thanos. And as as you were talking, um, I was thinking of one of uh, the other attributes of folks who deal with so-called personality disorders, and mm-hmm. that is black and white thinking, meaning uh, an, yes. an inability to kind of think in the what I call the gray area. So, it, I mean, I think his current plan is a great example of black and white thinking. Like, either uh, either I need to decimate half the population or the earth is going to, or the world is, eh. The galaxies? Mm. No, no, no. But I mean, I mean, let's follow it. Because like his plan is very much that it's a, it's, it's either or. Either, yes, thank you. <laughs> either all, either either life as we know it can continue to a certain mm-hmm. degree on different planets throughout all of the known galaxies, or everything will die because <laughs> life has exhaust will exhaust the resources on each of their particular planets until we have nothing. Right. right. So he has so an either or mentality instead of a mm-hmm. both and mentality. Yes. Captain, could you explain for our I know we've talked about this before before, but you know me. I love I love repetition. You do. <laughs> so I do. <laughs> um so could you explain for our listeners, either new or 
um, we see you out there, folks, our regular listeners, <laughs> what we mean when we talk about both end. What is both end thinking, um, both by definition? And then if you could give us a great example, it'd be wonderful. <laughs> wow. You're you're really, you're playing uh, Professor Spock today, aren't you? Uh <laughs> well, you know, it's just what I have on my lime green sleep suit. It just brings it out of me. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So when we're talking about either or, that's just what I was talking about with black and white thinking. So it mm -hmm. is either this or that. Both and refers to, hey, both these things can be true at the mm -hmm. same time. So um, an example, uh, I'm usually full of them, but right now I'm having a hard time. I think I yeah. have an example, sir. Um, and I feel like it's only fair for me to step in and help you since I, I did like lay quite a lot at your feet there. Great. Um, yes. Uh, so I'm thinking of in Avengers Infinity War, uh, the film that we watched so epically last night with the caramel flavored popcorn that the comm officer made us. We're looking at you. Good job there, friend. Um, <laughs> we didn't so even get his name. <laughs> well... There was a, it was a lot of sugar, you know, and there was a lot happening on Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> but we'll check in with them later um, and let them know what a great job that they're doing. <laughs> but I'm thinking about um, Scarlet Witch, right? So uh, Scarlet Witch or uh, Wanda Maximoff, right? So she both really, really wants to save her, her main AI man vision, Mm -hmm. It's very important to her because, you know, he's her, her robot person. Uh, but <laughs> at the same time, she also wants to prevent Thanos from enacting his uh, diabolical and hugely violent mission. And that might mean removing one of the vision stones or infinity stones. That's right. Remo removing the infinity stone that is currently in vision's forehead that allows him to be this like independent uh, corporeal entity. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so these, these two desires would seem to be in contradiction. And someone like Thanos would look at her and be like, well, you can't have both. It's either or. You either pick him or you pick not just all of humanity, but all of the other planets that are living and moving in, the in all the different galaxies, right? You can't have both. But both end would say absolutely Wanda can. And in fact, what's truest to her character is she does, Right. And she feels conflict about what to do because there are definitely moments and beats in the movie where it seems like she's going to have to choose. Mm -hmm. And spoilers, she kind of does because everything gets all fouled up. Um, but she really doesn't want to because she truly has an allegiance to both Vision and all of humanity and, nay, all of the, the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that work, sir? <laughs> yeah, that that was that was beautiful. Uh, you could see that I was struggling because I I hadn't intended to have such a deep conversation. I I was planning to just practice my vocal exercises. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You were winding <laughs> down. You were you were leading into Donkashane, and might I say, sir, that the timbre of your voice tonight is just beautifully resonant and clear, like a Thank bell. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. I've really, I've been practicing. Well, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But we were we got we got going down this road because we were talking about Thanos and dipping into um, the diagnosis that is currently, but hopefully, will soon be only formally known as not Prince, um, but personality disorders. <laughs> though. I would be happy to diagnose people with Prince. <laughs> oh, gosh, right? You um, have purple rain. <laughs> oh, purple rain. <laughs> but the reason that we brought this up is that um, I wanted to go back to this confusion that relates to uh, Thanos and his relationship with Gamora, right? Because I don't think the movie makes the case that Thanos is able to see Gamora as a a entity separate from himself, right? No. His, his attraction to her has to do with 
seeing parts of her that seem to match parts of himself. So mm-hmm. he sees her as being strong, he, which to him means being able to make tough calls. And that, and what tough calls for him are is it means like killing a lot of things slash people. Mm-hmm. Yes, killing a lot of creatures. And he looks at her and he's like, you can do that. You remind me of me. So I'm going to take you and protect you and raise you because you remind me of me. So that's not the same as loving and caring for someone. Because when you really love and care for someone, you look at it, you look at that creature and you say, wow, you're amazing and unique and, and beautiful. And you can do things like do vocal exercises and sing Donka Shane. <laughs> Which, spo- spoilers here, listeners, I could not do. You could. I mean, I I could try, but I'm never I'm never gonna match the dulcet tones of of you, Captain. It's just yeah. it's like not in the cards for me, you know. But because I love you and I care about you, I want to create opportunities for you to practice your vocal exercise, <laughs> <laughs> and I celebrate the uniqueness that is you. Mm-hmm. But folks who struggle with the diagnosis that is currently currently called personality disorder they're not able to do that they're not able to celebrate what is unique and different about someone else because the only way they are able to connect is by seeing you match something in me i will reach out to you and grab you and pull you in because it feels like pulling in a part of myself mm-hmm. and we see that I, I can tell you have a thought, thought so I'm going to pause here. Oh, no, I was I was just going to say that with that pulling in, when we see things we recognize, there is the converse or inverse that when we start to see things that don't agree with our worldview, we start to push away and we push away hard. Yeah. Ooh, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads us to Gamora's sister, mm-hmm. Nebula. Because while we don't see the origin story between Nebula and Thanos, we do know both from Avengers Affinity War and the myriad other Marvel films in the cinematic universe that um, Thanos adopted Nebula. It seems like similarly to the way he adopted Gamora, right? Like he initially saw something in Nebula that felt like felt familiar. And so he pulled her in. Mm -hmm. Um, But as Nebula grew, it became pretty clear that she was more different than she was alike to Thanos. Mm-hmm. And that resulted in a lot of rejection and pushing away, um, which feels awful from anyone who has been pulling us in and to whom we, we are emotionally connected, but it's really going to feel awful when it's coming from someone who has taken more of a parental role in our life. Yeah, the message we get is we are not enough as we are. Mm-hmm which Nebula gets in spades because not only does she receive that message, you know, implicitly and explicitly verbally, she literally has parts of her body changed out for parts that are deemed more fit for her purpose. And I I can't think of a more rejecty thing than that. Like, hey, this part of you is literally not good enough. We're going to remove it and try this other thing. Oh, that that definitely gave me chills again, sir, and not the good kind. Do you want a blanket for your onesie? Yeah, I would appreciate that. Is, is this one weighted? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, put this weighted blanket on. Oh, oh, good. Okay. This feels better. Um... All right. Well, now that we've kind of established that that uh, Thanos is a is a flawed dude who uh, struggles with quite a few things, and at the very least seems mm, incapable of having healthy connections with other creatures, uh, struggles with black and white thinking, mm-hmm. does a lot yeah. of damage, mm-hmm. and it is. I want to be very careful in the way that I say this, Mm -hmm. Um, but folks who deal with this sort of black and white thinking can be quite volatile. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always mean violent. In Thanos' case, it is. (laughs) 
but it's yes. not always the case. But it is not uncommon for folks who deal with this stuff to be volatile in that mm. they cannot tolerate the distress that comes with living in the gray area. And right. so they kind of explode, usually with just saying mean stuff, um, which is also not okay. Uh, when Thanos has his kind of inability to sit with discomfort explosions, they're violent. Right, like, both emotionally and, and physically violent to others. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not just physically violent to... Um, the creatures that he doesn't know, he is physically violent to his family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to Nebula, to Gamora. Um, to all creatures that he has made deals with. <laughs> yes. They don't they don't fare well. They do not, they do not fare well. Um, and I, I love the way you put it when you were you were talking about kind of what what is at the heart of this volatility and it is that discomfort that inability to be with the gray area mm-hmm. and that really is so much of life is the gray area and oh, so when yeah. you, when you when you are a, when you are a person or you encounter a person who just doesn't know what to do with that i mean it's not surprising that you feel volatile which is to say you're struggling mightily most of the time because this is entering your world almost constantly. Mm-hmm. And I want to be really clear here that at no point are we trying to say that like, well, if you struggle with gray area, this means that there's something wrong with you. That's that's not what we're saying. No. Um, it and is it does hard. not. Yeah. And it does not necessarily mean that you yourself are diagnosable with what I think we should just keep calling Prince Disorder for the remainder of, of this episode. Um, <laughs> no, I've seen no evidence that Prince had a personality disorder. I just like the sound of it better. Um, <laughs> but just because you have difficulties with black and white thinking doesn't mean that it's a pathology. No, and just because you struggle with emotion regulation, which is to say you have a big feeling, someone next to you has a big feeling, and you don't know what to do with so you have you have a reactive emotional and behavioral response that that also doesn't mean that you have, you struggle with um a personality disorder a prince disorder <laughs> how about we just go pd how's that pd love that let's go with pd um it yeah it doesn't mean that you have you have or it can be diagnosed with a pd um what it does mean is it's 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 probably a problem right for in you your life, and, yeah, in mm-hmm. your life, like it's probably a, a genuine struggle. Um, and uh, like, if if Avengers: Infinity War had had kind of done the work to kind of tease this out more in Thanos, if they had shown the ways that this is a problem for him, mm-hmm. and that it makes him unhappy, and that on some level he's aware of that unhappiness, like. I think I think I might not have had the nightmare that I had. <laughs> yeah, I the the difficulty with Infinity War, I mean, there were a few, but sure. the I I would argue the main difficulty is we were trying to fit every single superhero into a film that we did not want to be as long as a Lord of the Rings Return of the King extended edition. Uh, (laughs) i will never forget seeing that in the cinema uh just as an aside and just like trying so hard to not have to take a bathroom break oh Um, i mean you know i failed i had to leave (laughs) (laughs) well the body can only do so much yeah so in an effort to not create that Mm -hmm. the uh the Infinity War creators were like, okay, we need to fit all of this in and not go that long. So we're going to cut out quite a lot of emotional nuance, except for Thor. We're going to let him have some. Uh, but, like, nobody else gets any. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. And I get that it was hard. And and also, I find myself thinking, well, if it was easy, then it wouldn't be important. 
Hmm. I, if and any of Larissa's clients are listening, you've heard her say that before. You sure have. Um, <laughs> some of you are like, oh, gosh, Larissa, so one note. Um, <laughs> and at least are- a couple of my clients have heard it because you say it to me so much. It, is, it has made its way into my vernacular. Yeah. You know, sometimes I say it, sometimes I text it. We like to, like to keep it interesting. Um, so yes, while all of that is the case, the thing of it is, is that the Marvel cinematic writers, producers, directors, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> you know, if Kevin and I ever meet in real life, we're going to have some words because I have a lot of notes for Kevin. Um, <laughs> just a lot of notes. And I'm, I have no doubt that he'll be like, sure, Larissa, pull up a chair. Let's do this thing. Uh, he, he won't. Um, I would, ha- you know what I would love? And I know that we're getting <laughs> off track, but you know, if anybody, if anybody is six degrees separated from Kevin, have him call us because we have not just some notes. We have some psychological important feedback <laughs> that I think would only improve his work. Yes. And also, we would like to pitch him on a buddy comedy featuring Black Widow and uh, Electra. <laughs> so, um, called uh, Nat and Nachios. Remember, you came up with that title. Oh, I did. Nat did. Nachios. I did come up with that. I was like, I don't think I've ever heard this before. But then you said that, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's my wit. There's what I contributed to the project. (laughs) Kirky and wit and whimsy. It's beautiful. Um, But getting back sort of on track, um, like they all sat down and they were like, we're going to take on Thanos. And they have been prepping and building the Thanos for a really long time. And I I do think that they could have figured out how to do a couple of scenes for Thanos that would have that could have shown his pain as someone who struggles with this kind of volatility mm-hmm. without doing what they ended up doing. I think most memorably in Gamora's death scene. So those of you who Ugh. have not seen uh, Avengers infinity war, we've already spoiled. Well, it. Pro- we've already spoiled it. So if you're this far in, maybe just keep going. But if you feel really strongly about like a, a real pivotal moment, then I would say, pause, watch the film, come back. Cool. Cool. Um, because what they what they do is they have this like long, well, not long, but they do have this more extended scene with Thanos, Gamora, and Red Skull, who inexplicably is there. But, you know, whatevs, that's cool. And <laughs> what Thanos has to do, our producer was very confused by Red Skull's appearance um, and had a lot of notes for me to give to Kevin on that. So just <laughs> get We're excited, compiling. It's uh, it, yeah. Our notes for Kevin have their own bullet journal. Yes, they Kev do. Bujo. Kev Bujo, Bujo Kev, and, it, and it's red. Bujo, I love Bujo. Hashtag Bujo Kev. We're gonna make it happen. Um, <laughs> at, at any rate, so what? What in so in short, what Thanos has to do is he has to he has to kill the one thing that he loves to get one of the Infinity Stones. And Gamora starts laughing, and she's like, "Haha, that's ridiculous. You don't love anyone." Mm-hmm. And then the camera does this like slow pan to Thanos and you see him struggle and he's like, actually I do. And uh, then he, he kills Gamora. Um, And, and that's supposed to be the scene when we're like, oh wow, there's more going on for Mm -hmm. Thanos. Mm -hmm. But what Thanos feels for Gamora, that's not, that's not love. Right. That's not love. That's not how we love people. It's not how we love people. That's how we own people. Mm-hmm. That's how we we feel kind of uh, like covetous of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we like people sometimes, uh, maybe even like infatuation. But it's it's not love because love means valuing someone as much or more as you do yourself. And it means honoring and seeing and respecting that other person, that other creature's autonomy and uniqueness and, and individuality. And Thanos doesn't do that. He, he, he sees Gamora as something that I really am attached to this thing. I really like it. But you know what? I can get rid of this to get this other thing that I am attached to more. 
You know, it's kind of like the way you might feel about a favorite t-shirt. Right. It's, uh, and my brain is going to a place I didn't expect it to go, but here we are. It's Mm -hmm. going to a Marie Kondo place. Oh, wow. Tell me more. Well, does this spark joy? (laughs) And I, I mean, I think Gamora like sparks joy, uh, Mm -hmm. but but not enough, you no. know. You know no. she she's just not going in the keep pile. Like you know she she's a if you haven't watched any Marie Kondo or read her book, I mean she's part of the zeitgeist right now, so you can't have heard nothing about her. But basically, right. she helps you you clean out your house and your life by you hold these objects and you try and decide how much they really mean to you. How, how do they spark joy for you? And if they do not give you this feeling, which is the spark of joy, then you let them go. And I feel like uh, Thanos, when, when he holds Gamora, he, mm-hmm. he isn't, uh, he doesn't get that spark of joy. Well, he he got he used to get a spark of joy, mm-hmm. and you know, I very much his face when he's looking at her and he's realizing it's time to put her in the do not keep pile. Mm-hmm. There's there's sadness and loss that he's mm-hmm. feeling. Um, but he's very much decided that you know I need to live this minimalist Marie Kondo intergalactic lifestyle. <laughs> And right. And like, this goes back to like, probably his feeling between like Gamora and Nebula that he looked at them and he was like, well, I can't, I can't have both. I can't have two daughters. So which Mm -hmm. one sparks the most joy? And it was Gamora. And so then he kept, you know, trying to kind of like get rid of Nebula. Um, And for a while he's, you know, he was swapping out parts to see if maybe both could spark joy, but no, that didn't work for him because, you know, intergalactic minimalism. Um, But, but now he's found something that sparks more joy nay mm-hmm. perhaps for him the most joy and he's like well okay Gamora we had some good times time to go in the do not keep pile and that thank is- you for your service right thank you for your service and that's okay to do with objects it's appropriate healthy to do with objects right mm-hmm. you cannot do that with creatures you cannot and and if the movie had shown some uh, awareness around that about the the nuance between the sparked joy of a of a beloved sweater and the love you feel for an adopted daughter again no spock nightmares um and and i think actually i think we would have been applauding them on the podcast for figuring for like having that amount of nuance in an action adventure flick because it mm-hmm. can be done but that's not what they did here what they did here is they kind of equated the two mhm and I, I do think, and I'm, you know, you know, listeners, like, feel free to shout at me on Twitter or Facebook page or the gram um, if you feel strongly in differently. But I, I do think that the film very much takes a view that, yeah, this is sad because Thanos really does love, love Gamora as much as he's able to. And here, and he doesn't. He just doesn't because that's not love. No, it's not. And I'm, I just want to piggyback on something you said, which is that we can't do this with people. And I, mm-hmm. I don't want to disagree. I just want to uh, throw a little something else in there, which is we, we can decide that people don't spark joy anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can decide that people have become really harmful to us. Yes. And, and we can decide that we no longer want them in our life. That is absolutely mm. okay and appropriate. Right. Um, and then we make a very mindful choice to separate from them. Um, so I'm just throwing that in there in case any of the listeners were like, but, but, but. Like, right. yes. Yes. But I think, I think we would, that would be something that is the case. That we mm-hmm. can mindfully disconnect from, you know, relationships that have either naturally come to an end or that we are currently experiencing as toxic mm-hmm. or in some other way unhelpful. And the key there is we can disconnect from them. Yes. We cannot throw this person away or this 
creature away. We cannot Mm -hmm. decimate this person or creature, Mm -hmm. right? That's not appropriate or healthy. And we don't do this a whole lot in the show, but it's certainly, but I mean, like, it's not, I don't know, like, it's not, it's not ethical. We just, we don't get to say and do that. There is an inherent difference between an object and a little living boy. Um, Shout out to those of you who know that I'm talking about BMO here, right? Um, (laughs) And, but understanding this nuance kind of, again, it brings, it goes, it brings us back to something that we know that Thanos struggles with, which is black and white thinking. Understanding the difference between disconnection and throwing away, that is nuanced. That is shades of gray. This is something that Thanos really struggles with. Mm-hmm. So if he himself has said, you know what, I am, I want to disconnect from this relationship. It's not working anymore. He can't just disconnect. He has to say this person is bad and wrong and I'm going to, you know, blast them off the face of, face of the known universe, basically. Um, so just to like put, to summarize this in full, I very much wish that that should do i think that thanos should have been a complex character yes do i think that that was achieved no i think what happened is we look at thanos and we're like see thanos loves and cries and bleeds too just like all of us and the thing of it is is that he doesn't he's not able to and that is sad that is terrible but that's the story we want to tell about thanos mm-hmm because when he loses Gamora, it's not the same as when Rocket loses Groot or thinks he's lost oh. Groot. It's just not the same. And I think the films are trying to say that it's the same. And mm-hmm. it's not. Because even though Rocket is just a total sass bucket, you know what? Rocket wants Groot to be whatever tree is, I don't know, most resonant for Groot, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, lo- Groot- he loves his Groot buddy. He does. He really does. And he's able to tolerate that he's a rocket and Groot's a Groot and they don't always like or do or need or want the same things. And he's able to understand that sometimes that upsets him, but that doesn't mean that anybody's bad or needs Mm -hmm. to go away or needs to be, you know, blown out of the multiverse. Well, I think it is an excellent segue that you brought up characters from Guardians of the Galaxy Mm. because I am acutely aware that you had feelings about peter quill in this film (laughs) well and this is a funny story um i did definitely have feelings about peter quill (laughs) in this film i think actually quite a few of the characters it felt like they hadn't it felt like they're the last film that they were in on their own hadn't happened. So you see this with Tony Stark too, right? If you've seen Iron Man 3, he has this whole personal growth evolution that it very much feels like in Infinity War, they're just like, nope, let's forget that happened. And also that crystal that's in the the center of his chest, let's pop that baby back in. Um, (laughs) It was real weird. Okay. It was Kevin. This is in this is in the Bujo, okay? <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but yeah, like Peter Quillis happens to m- maybe the most, and I'm saying the most because I think he he gets more kind of like screen time on it. And it also stood out me to me more because our producer, um the uncanny Brian, had a lot of feelings. About Peter Quill, Star Lord, in Avengers: Infinity War. Oh, tell tell us about Brian. Brian and his feelings about Star Lord. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. So he, from the moment, because I first I first watched this with with our producer. Um, so from the from the word go, right when Peter steps on the screen, like in general, our producer it tends to be fairly quiet during films. Um, he's a believer in letting them wash over you. Uh, I am less of a believer in that, (laughs) which is partly why when I'm watching a film without the captain, I will be like live tweeting her or texting (laughs) her my play by play reactions. Um, but not so for our producer in Avengers infinity war, for our producer in Avengers infinity war, as soon as Peter was on the screen, like he was not having it. 
Brian was upset. He had feelings. He did not like the way that Starlord was being portrayed. He felt like it was as if Starlord had not grown at all in volume two of Guardians of the Galaxy. He felt that Starlord was being, uh, dare we say, covetous of Gamora, objectifying her. Mm. Really, it, like it was hard to get through a scene without going through pages of notes. Um, so I'm going to have a lot of empathy for Kevin when we have our meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so, this segues into something that you really wanted to make sure we talked about today, which was um, both on purpose and accidental gaslighting. Yeah. So gaslighting is all about manipulation. It's saying and doing stuff so that other people start to question their own understanding of what's going on. Yeah. So if we create a narrative that differs so greatly from the established facts, and, you know, yes, I know Westworld construct, blah, blah, blah. This is not that. (laughs) Um, When we create a narrative that is so disparate from what is actually going on, that is a form of manipulation for people around us. So... Mm An example would be, um, let's say you are a kid, um, mom drinks, dad covers up mom's drinking, and you say to dad, dad, we really need to do something about mom's drinking. I'm really worried. And dad says, mom doesn't have a drinking problem. Mm -hmm. That narrative is so disparate from what's actually going on that it makes the questioner question their own sanity. Right. You know, the the kid counts on their parents to tell them the truth, to tell them what's going on. And so when their only other adult around is saying, no, what you're seeing things incorrectly, it makes it makes that kid question if what they're seeing is real. Um, and this is where I think it, it gaslighting is different from the Westworld construct because the Westworld construct has to do with those things that we have a society has created, like gender roles. Mm-hmm. Um, gaslighting has to do with things that we have not created, like gravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? So if I – and it has to do with kind of the power of your direct peer and also the power of – someone that you have a strong connection and trusting bond with. So if I and the captain are on the bridge and I am holding my mug of uh, Earl Grey hot and I drop it and I say, oh no, there goes gravity. And the captain looks at me and is like, no, you're still holding your tea mug. And if after hours of me arguing with the captain and and showing uh, exhibit A, B, Cs, and Ds of proof and and attempting to have the captain touch the spot on the bridge where the T fell and uh, is damp and pointing out the stain, if still the captain insists, no, that didn't happen, that didn't happen at all, gravity's not, we don't have the, the gravity controls turned on, let alone is there such a thing as gravity, um, I might start to doubt my own sanity and my own perceptions because mm-hmm. this person that I trust is directly contradicting observable environmental facts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And while that seems like an outlandish example, it is not that far off of things that people really do experience often in interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. Where where one partner is saying to the other partner, "No, that thing you think happened, it didn't happen." Right. And I, at first, we think, "No, I'm right. I know this happened. I know this happened." But after the fiftieth contradictory story, we're like, "Did it happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I th- I was so sure, but they're so sure. And why would they lie to me?" I do think that kind of throughout the first, at least the first quarter, if not first third of the film, you get a lot of like Gomorrah trying to get the Avengers and in particular Peter Quill um, on board with the idea that like Thanos means business. He is a black and white thinker. He is going to decimate all of us. 
he could not get his hands on these stones. We all need to do, be willing to do whatever we need to do to prevent him from getting these stones, Mm -hmm. including making really hard choices that we're uncomfortable with. And she is working so hard to get Peter to understand this, to wrap his mind around it. And Peter does, he, he kind of oscillates between like, no, we can find another way to like, are you sure? Mm. And, and this is where the, are you sure becomes gaslighting? Because here's the thing, like Peter has an understanding of how awful Thanos is, but it's nothing compared to Gamora's lived experience because she was raised by this, right. by this man. Mm-hmm. This alien creature dude who seems to definitely identify as male right like she knows him she knows what he's capable of if anybody is an expert about thanos and what he is capable of doing it's gomora and so we should all just shut up (laughs) and listen to what she has to say and respect all the pain and awfulness that she's been through Mm -hmm. but because peter doesn't want to do that in part i think because he's wrestling with the gravity of the situation i think also in part because he he wants there to be another way all of which like are fair things to want and feel inside but it's not fair for that to translate into behavior that is just almost constantly questioning gamora and her experience right that is just not okay yeah and this goes to what we um said we would talk about today, which is not just gaslighting, but unintentional gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Because I I don't believe for a minute that Peter Quill intended to make Gamora question her own reality. No. Uh, and, you know, Gamora was so sure of the situation, she did not, in fact, question her own reality. But one might if somebody keeps saying to you are you sure are you sure that's how it is mm, i'm not so sure that's how it is that is unintentional gaslighting right you are making someone question the nature of their own reality it, not to question uh societal norms mm-hmm. as in westworld construct but questioning the nature of their reality, the nature of their lived experience. Right. Things they feel and know to be true. Yeah. And if you are thinking, listener, oh man, I think I've done that before, that's okay. We don't know what we don't know. And now that we do know, the next time you find yourself asking somebody, are you sure? Mm, I don't think so. Just pause for a sec and ask yourself what, you know, what is my motivation for this? Mm-hmm. Could I be saying this differently? Because I think what Peter Quill was actually trying to say is, I'm really fucking scared. This is too big for me. I can't carry this. I don't want this. I need this to not be true. So right. I'm just going to keep poking at Gamora until she says, no, it's not really as bad as I think it is. But spoiler alert, it is. It is. And here's (laughs) the thing. If he had paused as, you know, we're inviting our, our, you, our listeners to pause. And as we ourselves try to pause, but certainly don't always get it right because, you know. We're humans. We're we're humans. Well, mostly. Um, Most, sure. That's true. Um, I'm halfsies. But even not even Vulcans are perfect. You know, we try and we have our 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 logical system and our our wonderful training program on Vulcan, but even we make mistakes. Um when we are able to pause and we're able to to start to pay attention to all the feelings that are coming up for us, especially if we're look if we're talking to someone that we care about, say that. Mm. Lead with that. Don't mm-hmm. lead with, are you sure we need to do this? Lead with, I'm terrified about doing this and I don't want to lose you. And nobody in the world means more to me than you. Is there, are you sure? Is there any other way? Mm-hmm. Right? Because the important difference between that and the way that Peter initially approached it and what made that initial approach gaslighting is that he focused on the, the prodding and the poking and the questioning of, are you sure? Whereas in the second approach, he is ex- he's 
he's being emotionally vulnerable. <clears throat> he mm -hmm. is explaining how much he doesn't want this to be so. And he's right. taking a let's work together as a team, as opposed to in the first case, he's taking more of that kind of like top down, I'm star Lord. There's got to be another way. Mm -hmm. We've talked about many things today. Um, and, you know, to be honest, listeners, it's been it's been a bit of a darker episode, which is probably not all that surprising, considering it is Avengers Infinity War. Um, yeah, it's dark material. It really is. And as we're kind of wrapping up, I want to kind of remind us all that the kinds of behaviors that Thanos displays sits on a spectrum. And while we're certainly not here to um, vilify anyone, um, I do think that it's important to name that there are, there as, as this sits on a spectrum, that there are different levels of severity, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between someone who struggles with emotion regulation and shades of gray and... Um, does like 25 pages of anger venting in their bujo mm -hmm. or calls up their friend and just really vents and names. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Um, and someone who takes all of that rage within them and go home and goes home and screams at um, a family member, a friend and, or puts a uh, non-consensual hands on that mm -hmm. family member or friend. Mm -hmm because they are feeling emotionally dysregulated um because we all get to have our feelings yes but that doesn't make every action that we take okay mm -hmm. um and so we do want to name today that absolutely as we kind of said much earlier thanos engages thanos the character engages in interpersonal violence which is also known as domestic violence and his cycle of um, half-world destruction and the way he treats his daughters is absolutely emblematic of the cycle of abuse. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who aren't familiar with what precisely the cycle of abuse entails, um, it attempts to describe the cyclical nature of explosive violence, which is first tension builds, then there is that strong outpouring of violence, and that can be verbal, physical, both. Then there is an attempt to reconcile. There's a period of calm, and then it begins again, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we certainly see this with Thanos, that he will, tension will build between Kim and Gamora. Um, they battle with each other. And then there's an attempt to reconcile. Of course, in this film, there can be no attempt to reconcile because she is killed. But then you do get one of the final scenes in the film, that calm, right? Where Thanos is talking about, I just want to go somewhere with a view. Mm -hmm. And know that my work is done. And I think what he is, and as, as, as upsetting as that is, and as upsetting as that final shot was to me as a, as a human, um, it does sound like what he's longing for is a place where he wouldn't feel this kind of internal volatility. Mm -hmm. And having this kind of internal volatility is awful, right? And it is something that none of us would want for ourselves or for our loved ones. But I want to be real clear here. Um, the fact that it is an awful thing to struggle with um, as an individual who perpetrates it, it like, at, like, hold on, let me back up. While it's an awful thing to struggle with internally, um, that doesn't make the behavior okay. Right. And if you or someone you love is either currently... Um, yeah. So if if either yourself or someone that you care about is is showing this sort of aggression, um, they, they absolutely could use some support around that. Um, and that means professional support. So getting, getting them in with a good therapist... Um, who can help them work on that. Because this this is ex extremely distressing for people who are experiencing it. And also that violence has a ripple effect ever outwards. So we 
we want to mitigate the damage by by helping this person to learn to sit with their own distress and and not cause further damage to people around them. Um, and for those of you who are looking for places to start, uh, you can go to the website, thehotline.org, and or call the phone number for, de- for domestic violence, which is 1-800-799-7233. So we talked about a lot. Uh, it's a lot to absorb. If you want to do some research on your own, Spock, what can folks Google? In addition to checking out thehotline.org, folks can look at the terms gaslighting, uh, domestic violence, or interpersonal violence, which are used interchangeably, uh, the cycle of abuse, and then last but certainly not least, the term that is currently known as, but hopefully will soon be formally known as, personality disorders. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You are our pirate angel. Tune in for our next episode on May the 4th Be With You. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live live long and and prosper. prosper.